Hey listeners, have you ever been told that you have PCOS? Or maybe you have been Googling late at night the symptoms of PCOS and wondering if you have it. So if that's you, then you'll definitely want to tune into today's episode because not only are we going to talk about PCOS, what it really is, we're going to talk about the four different types, all the nitty gritty, but we're also going to really dig into what the Bible has to say about this condition and the spiritual side of things. So here we go. Hey sister, welcome to For the Love of Hormones podcast. Do you have a desire to get pregnant in God's design and be free from the pressure of going straight to IUI or IVF? Hey, I'm Becca. While I was blessed with two children, I then suffered from three miscarriages. I too felt emotionally wrecked anytime I was around a pregnant friend. I wanted to understand God's design for my body and how to care for it naturally, but I just kept telling myself that it was too complicated and I needed to be content with my circumstances. Until I found the answer, hormone health and tracking. In this podcast, you will find answers to all of your period, ovulation, and cycle questions so that you will be able to find the path for getting pregnant in God's design. So sister, for the love of hormones, put that pregnancy test stick down and grab your Bible, matcha green tea, and a journal because it's time for a come to Jesus and hormones meeting. And then before we dive in today, guys, this is going to be an awesome episode. I know you're super duper excited, but I just want to thank each and every one of you that have left a review. If you have not left a review yet, please just pause this right now and scroll down and write a review. We would so appreciate it. It does, like it blesses our hearts and we love hearing what you have to say or what you think, but it actually drives up who hears our podcast and who sees it. And we truly believe this is a huge ministry for the Lord's kingdom and um, furthering his gospel in the world of women's healthcare and hormones. So please take a quick second and leave a review. And Dr. Jamie is going to kick us off in a word of prayer. Father God, uh, we just thank you for this moment to come together and to talk about some very important issues today. Father God, we just lift this podcast to you. I pray that you speak through us and help us convey your message that you have for us today. And I ask for internet connection that will not fail (laughs) because it's already been happening again. And Father God, I just pray that whoever needs to hear this message today, that we just deliver whatever they need. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Dr. Jamie. So PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, I guess the history of it's pretty interesting. As far as I know, it is 50, it's increased a lot in the past 50 years. So I guess let's kind of kick off with like, is this condition kind of a new thing in today's society? I'm curious if you think it was around back in the Bible times. And let's just kind of start off with that. Yeah. So the question of whether uh, PCOS is a new thing or has it been around for a long time? It's probably been around for a while because there definitely is some hereditary and genetic tendencies that come with PCOS, but it definitely has ramped up. And that probably has to do with our epigenetics and that the genes are being expressed more. And it has very much to do with our environment and our culture today. 
So what would you say? Like, I think, I mean, I feel like the people who are listening to this and want to hear this have been Googling, like I mentioned earlier, what is PCOS? What are the symptoms of it? So I guess let's start off like, what is the classic type of PCOS? Because there's actually four different types. So can you tell us, you know, scientifically, medically, physiologically, what's happening in the classic type of PCOS? Yeah, so you're right. There is four classic, or there's four. There is four uh, phenotypes, and um, they're broken down in a couple different ways. But the classic PCOS, or what some people refer to as type A PCOS, there are clinical signs and uh, possibly lab work that is showing increased androgens, which is uh, increased testosterone and DHEA. So there are actual physical signs and hormonal signs, and as far as the lab work. These women typically do not ovulate or very rarely ovulate. So they often have um, very irregular periods. And they also present with cysts that are found on their ovaries when you do an ultrasound. So that would be the classic type. Yeah, absolutely. So with the classic type, from what I know, 70% of cases have this. And I think our stats are, it's either one every 10 women or two out of 10 women have PCOS. And 70% of the cases are the insulin resistant type that you were just referring to. So I think one of the big questions that some people have is like, can I get pregnant when I have this type of PCOS? What would you say? Nothing's impossible with God. So I'll say that first off, but it is probably one of the most difficult because a lot of women tend to not be ovulating and you have to ovulate in order to have that egg meet the sperm. And without that, it's very, very difficult. So, but it's not, I'm not going to say it's impossible because there are plenty of women who are able to become pregnant despite PCOS. Yeah. I have to share a story. Oh my good gravy. This is such a good story. And I hope she's listening to this, but I have an old friend back from, I guess my college swim team and recently connected with her in the last year or two. And she was struggling with um, getting pregnant and she'd been told she had PCOS. And from what she told me, it definitely sounded like she was along those lines. So she got connected in charting with Creighton and getting connected with a NAPRO doctor. And as she was like charting and like doing all of these things, she got pregnant and she told me, she was like, Becca, I got like, I got pregnant and I had no idea because I, I didn't have any signs that I should have gotten pregnant. And I was just blown away by that. And I just thought, you know what, God, you are sovereign over our charting. You are sovereign over our knowledge. And I think it's just one of the coolest testimonies of like, one, yes, God, God is God and we are man. And he is so much more possible than we think um, he is. And I think that was a really cool example of someone getting pregnant on like when she was um, having PCOS and charting, and she didn't even have signs of ovulating, and yet she got pregnant, which is so stinking cool. Now, I will tell you, I did not look at her charts. I did not review her charts. I love reviewing charts like that. But so, I mean, I can't see it. Maybe I would have been able to see it, but from what that's what she told me. So that was kind of really cool. Praise God. That is amazing. I love hearing stories like that. What else do you want to know, Becca? Oh, my goodness. Okay. 
So let's talk about this. Let's just focus on this, this type of PCOS. So from what I know of it, typically women have really high insulin. And the biggest thing is managing blood sugar and just kind of working on metabolic health. And obviously tracking is really important. That way they can figure out what, what is my body doing? Is my body attempting to ovulate? What's the health of that ovulation? All of that. But what would you say, like, would you kind of agree with that? Or would you recommend additional things? Um, yeah. So this classic type, the majority, you're right, do have some insulin resistance. Not um, all, but the vast majority do. And what was your second question? I think managing blood sugar and just overall metabolic health. Absolutely. So, and that goes into um, what they think are the causes because to this day, the true cause of PCOS is still not for certain. There is certainly um, theories and there's been more information over the last couple of years, but they, it is more widely accepted now that insulin is driving uh, most of these cases of PCOS and also inflammation. Inflammation could be coming from different places, but more recently with the gut microbiome, information starting to become more mainstream, if you will. The uh, gut inflammation is also a factor that may be mediating um, PCOS. And so but yes, back to blood sugar. Blood sugar itself, having too much sugar in your system is inflammatory. And so it's just both of those things together working synergistically against your ovaries. So yeah. blood sugar control is a huge thing. Yeah, I'll share a personal story with that. So I am in a postpartum season of life. And so I'm not actively working towards losing weight because I'm breastfeeding and, and all of that. But I was wanting to like lose a little bit of weight. And so my doctor, it was so much fun. She gave me a prescription for the freestyle Libre. And it's like this little glucose monitoring thing. So I got to wear that for like a month. And I say it was fun for me because I'm a hormone coach. And I'm like, I like to think of myself as just like, I love managing blood sugar for myself and for my kids and my husband, like I, like my clients, like blood sugar is like one of my favorite things. So to actually see the numeric um, data of what was happening was absolutely fascinating. Like I learned so much about how my body in particular reacted to certain foods and so, and by the way, I did a great job. Like all my stuff actually does work. <laughs> so like everything I tell my clients, it works. But I did observe that there were some certain types of foods that my body just had big flare-ups to just because that's how my body reacted to it, which is really interesting. So yeah, I don't know. Would you like recommend that for a patient who, who truly has this type of PCOS to monitor their blood sugar so they can see what is causing them to have big reactions and try to stabilize it? I would say in an ideal world, yes, but those monitors can be expensive and it just depends. Sometimes some of them come with some really cool apps and features and stuff. So but I'm sure I'm sure there's some pretty basic ones that are affordable, but you drive a excellent point to the situation, which is that we all process foods and, and different things differently. So like you eating a couple grapes might not do much to your blood sugar, but it might do a lot to mine. And and there's so many factors that go into that. One's just like, are you already insulin resistant? How much adipose or fatty tissue do you have? Because that drives up insulin and inflammation. Is Are you dealing with leaky gut or not? 
all there's so many variables that drive this insulin this sugar spikes and the insulin that follows so if the, for those who don't know when you when you intake something that has a carbohydrate like a simple sugar being one of them most of your cells cannot use that sugar it has to be carried across the cell through what i call the key which is insulin. Insulin opens the door for the glucose, the sugar to come into the cells to be used as energy. So every time you are intaking a a sugar, your body is going to respond and increase the insulin. So you'll hear what people call it as an insulin spike. And so the more sugary food you have, the more insulin your body's going to need to make. And if you're insulin resistant, meaning the normal amount of insulin that should work to open that door isn't working anymore. Your body responds by making even more insulin to finally get that door open. And that's what we call insulin resistance. Your body's resisting its insulin that it usually needs. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love what you just said about like, okay, let me see if I can even say it back. I'm going to, I always love listening back to these and taking notes. Insulin is the door that opens up to allow glucose to come in, right? It's the key. You need your key to open the door. But when you're having resistance, it's like, hey, that key's not fitting into the keyhole like it used to. And you got to like force it in and jiggle it and then finally get that door open, right? Like to me, that's what I picture when there's insulin resistance. It's like the trying to let our guest in, but our, our door is not opening. We got to use more force to get it open. got to use more insulin, so yeah, so and that's what drives us. It's um there there's something with insulin that will cause our ovaries to be more sensitive to the hormone LH, luteinizing hormone. And that is what causes certain cells in the ovaries to produce uh, the androgen hormones, which is testosterone and DHEA and those sort of hormones. So that's why insulin and what your your sugar intake that's how it's impacting those testosterone hormones that are being made. Gotcha. And I'll say one other thing that was super interesting. And again, it's like, I coach people on this and I live it out myself just about, you know, the blood sugar management and stress management and all of that. But it was absolutely fascinating because on days when my stress was higher for whatever reason, um, my blood sugar was way more up and down, even when I was eating the foods that I knew I responded well to. So it was like crazy to me kind of realizing that. And I confirmed that with my doctor. I was like, hey, I noticed on some of these days when I was really stressed out or I had a lot going on, my blood sugar was just kind of like way more up and down. And that's because of cortisol, right? And um, it, it makes it harder to control our blood sugar. And I thought that was so fascinating to see that. It was just so cool. Like, literally living and seeing numerically in my own body, like what I preach and like what I help people with. It was pretty fascinating. No, it's a great tool just to like, you know, sometimes we just need that extra bit of evidence to just solidify something in our mind and just to help us make better choices. So like if you are able to use a glucometer like that, it's a great tool. And you'll you'll learn more about yourself because, like I said, we all process the foods differently because we're all in different bodies and different lives, you know. So yeah, it's a great it's a great thing to try to use. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, like I guess we would say that's not medical advice, but I mean, I think it's fascinating to monitor how your body's responding to things. I had so many people ask me like, "Oh, do you have diabetes?" And I'm going to tell them like, "Oh, actually, no. I'm a queen of blood sugar." <laughs> 
but uh, I didn't tell them that. Uh, that is awesome. <laughs> so I love it. So let's go into the other three. The other, the other three types? Yeah. Yeah. What would you name them as? Well, okay. So you probably know them as um, post-pill, PCOS, inflammatory, and adrenal. Yep. It's literally what I have written down. <laughs> awesome. Um, and so they can be referred to as type B, C, and D. And they have like bigger, fancier doctor names, but I'm not going to bore you with those. So let's just go into to the second most common, which is the post-pill PCOS. And so this is what happens when you have um, increased androgens, increased testosterone hormones, right? And this is coming from usually from the hormonal withdrawal from stopping something like the, the contraceptive pill. And this is usually transient or temporary. And how long it probably, I'm not going to give you a duration. Everybody's different. But typically you don't have cysts on your ovaries and you may have irregular periods, but you still tend to be able to ovulate. Does that make sense? Yep. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've worked with a few clients like that. It's really interesting looking at their charts. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've worked with lots of people who some people get off the pill and they go right into normal, regular periods. And other people, it's just like, it's so frustrating because they're maybe not very regular and they're noticing that their hair is kind of thinning and all sorts of different things. And it's just, they're having a little trouble getting the estrogen and progesterone to pick back up. It's usually transient. The other thing I will say, and you've probably thought of this too, is a lot of women will come off of the pill because they've been on it since, you know, they got their period. And then they find out that they're having trouble conceiving when they're trying to start a family. And it's because the pill was masking PCOS to begin with. Yes. I hate that so much. Like one of the first things I want to do is just go into a post birth control syndrome detox. Like after after someone gets off the pill and they want to get pregnant, and usually when they come to me, they're struggling getting pregnant. In that case, and so that's just one of the first things is just detoxing your body from all of the buildup of those synthetic hormones, just with the gut support and the liver filtering, liver support. To I mean, I think post birth control syndrome. I don't know about post-birth control PCOS. Maybe you can answer this. I know post-birth control syndrome, if if you guys are listening and you didn't know that was a syndrome, it's a syndrome. Um, it can last up to a whole year. Um, I've been working with a client and like we're at almost a year and she's like, she like finally just ovulated. And we were like so excited on our last session um, because she was definitely on the long end of that. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean it probably lasted that long because she was working with you and she didn't give up and go back on the pill, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So many She's on the pill have, for a long time. I have so many women who, who try to transition from birth control and it's hard for them to, to, um, endure that, that transition phase. You really have to be prepared for it and have support for it. Because it can be rough, um, not for all women, but for women who have uh, underlying hormonal imbalance to begin with, it can be it can be a struggle because it's not pleasant. How you go? Let's say you go years, half your life being on the pill, no issues, 
and then trying to come off of it. And it's just, it feels like hell. Right. Yep. Yep. Do you remember feeling that way when you got off of the pill? Um, I was in the middle of medical school, so I was already oh. in hell. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I didn't, I forgot about the connecting those dots. Oh, it was just one big hell blur. I don't, you know, <laughs> I can't, yeah. I, I bet I do reflect on who I was as a person on the pill. And I don't, I was, it was a weird period of my life where I don't feel like I really had a strong sense of self. I think we've talked about before where I just, my personality was completely different when I was on the birth control pill. Yeah. Well, it's like you're on day three of your cycle. Mm-hmm. For your yeah. whole life while the you're whole, on the pill. The whole I time. mean, I would not want to be married to Becca on day three of her cycle. <laughs> like, bless my husband. <laughs> so um, anyways, we digress. Okay, so that's post-pill PCOS. And just to confirm, I think you mentioned this, but this is just so fascinating. So insulin-resistant type A PCOS through ultrasound, they're going to see like the little string of pearls on the ovaries, right? Yes. Okay. And then in post pill PCOS, they're not going to see anything. No, there won't be, um, there won't be, uh, any cysts usually. I mean, usually they can still ovulate like eventually it just depends. It can be kind of wishy-washy at first because it's like, are you dealing with a transient PCOS post pill or are you uncovering a different type of PCOS. So, I mean, that's why there's no, it's hard sometimes to categorize what type of PCOS you're dealing with at first because the pill, the pill complicates the picture for a bit. So you can't say every case, you can't say for sure every case has no cysts on them or not. And so that's, that leads me to another point of like, they're, they're kind of stepping away from calling it metabolic or post pill or inflammatory and just kind of classifying it as Increase androgens and with with no ovulation, no androgens, but with with uh, without ovulation, like they're kind of just classifying it that way. The the three diagnosis criteria, okay. mm-hmm. but I mean, there's no right or wrong way. It, in either way, is complicated. <laughs> yeah, Adam and I were talking about this. He mentioned the about 500 years ago how we had the Black Plague. And how the medical treatment of that was like, don't bathe ever, maybe once a year because you want to keep the oils on your skin and let's put leeches on them to suck out the blood and the people died from the leeches. And it's like 500 years later, we look at all that and we're like, wow, that was just not not good ideas, you know? But I mean, I'm, I'm imagining, I mean, I pray Jesus is coming back before 500 years from now, but even a hundred years from now, I'm sure we'll understand PCOS so much better than we do today and all that anyways. So, but yeah, just to keep it kind of simple, there's an inflammatory type, like I said before, where there's inflammation driving it. And these can be chronic inflammatory conditions or even just a leaky gut, but it's, there's certain inflammatory proteins that get released that like insulin, they act like growth hormones and and drive um, hormonal imbalance. So you'll see increased androgens there. You may or may not see the cysts on ultrasound, and you may or may not have irregular periods. And then there's the adrenal driven, which is 
you know, stress, typically mediated by stress of some sort. And again, it can be all sorts of stress. It can be stress from psychologically, physically, like the body doesn't differentiate stress, different types of stress. But with that, you usually have elevated um, DHEAs, which are one of the androgen hormones. And it makes sense because that those hormones are um, precursor hormones for cortisol. And when you're stressed, you're going for, you're dumping all your, not dumping all, but a lot of your DHEAs are being deferred to go down the cortisol pathway. So that's, that's why how stress can, can mediate and exacerbate a PCOS condition. Gotcha. So intense. But I mean, what I like to say, and just tell me what you think, but I like to say that there is hope with PCOS and especially in the sense of like, we're going to go into like the spiritual aspect of this in a second. So obviously that's our number one, but just kind of as a background, just through your lifestyle, it's really, really important. And it actually does make a difference. And I would say that PCOS doesn't ever, it might not ever go away unless the Lord fully heals you. But in general, it's something you kind of have to live with and stick with. But there are absolutely lifestyle adjustments through your diet, through stress management, proper supplementation, toxic free living, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it, it really truly does make a difference, especially if it, it's inflammatory that we're dealing with, gut health, and just the blood sugar management, metabolic health, all that stuff is really, really important. Right. And I would say this too, like maybe we can expand on some of the symptoms because, you know, PCOS is so loosely thrown around or self-diagnosed or, you know, girlfriends talk and say, oh, you probably have PCOS. My friend has PCOS because, you know, that's why she can't lose weight. So you probably have it. So like, you know, there are the, there are three diagnosing criteria, which we've kind of already hit upon. And you have to have two of the three to even be considered to have PCOS. And so one would be sh- having clinical signs or labs showing that you have increased androgen hormones. The other one would be having very irregular periods and or not ovulating. And the third being the ultrasound findings of having the cysts, multiple cysts, the string of pearls finding on ultrasound. So you have to have two of those three to be considered to have PCOS. and then it's like, okay, so excess androgens, what does that mean, right? These women are with these high androgens and not every woman's going to have them. That's why some women have really bad acne and losing hair and are skinny and other women have all their hair on their head, no acne, and but they can't lose weight for their life, right? So, but for the women who have excess androgens, they're going to have acne. And it's not just like the one or two spots here and there that everybody always gets but they're going to have acne um, on their chest, on their buttocks, they're along the jawline, on their back. You know, I just think of the guys on testosterone therapy where they got all that awful looking acne. That's where you're going to have it. And that has to do also that with the inflammation component uh, driving that acne formation as well with the increased androgens. Um, so women might have a mustache even a beard. They can have crops of hair on their chest, like this thick sexual hair, that thick, dark black hair in places that they shouldn't. Just think of, just think of the men and like how they have different, they were, how their hair patterns are different than ours. They have like thicker hair on, on their thighs, on their arms. 
all over their chest, their back. So if you're getting crops of hair like that, that was uh, sexualized hair. And um, there are women who have darker hair on their arms, but uh, but that is different. It's you, it's the finer, villous hair that just tends to have a, a darker pigment, and that is normal. And then there's a big fancy word, um, hirsutism, and that means to have abnormal uh, amounts of hair, like I said, in that sexual male pattern. And then there's alopecia, which is hair loss, and that can be in a male or female balding pattern. So men tend to lose it kind of around their temples and on the backs of their head, and women tend to lose it on the crown of their head, kind of like the, the part is starting to widen. So alopecia can be driven by too much testosterone. And then excessive sweating uh, is another one, just sweating uh, more than you than you should. So those are signs of excess androgens. Do you have any others to add that I missed? I think one of the big ones too is overweight and like cannot lose weight. That can be one of them. And it's not always, right? Like you mentioned, there can be like, you get the skinny person who has other symptoms like that too. So, right. but that can be kind of one of the classic things. Right. And then there's the like irregular periods and what the heck does that mean? Right. And so it's, and I bring this up because, you know, when we are first as young women starting our, our cycles, they can be irregular for two to four years. So it's recommended not to diagnose PCOS in, in the, the teen population until they've had a history of irregular periods for at least two years, along with these other findings. So just want to put that out there. But, you know, we so we always talk about excessive bleeding and frequency and all that. So if you're having prolonged uh, periods, more than eight days as an adult, that's too long. If you're having um, cycles more fr- frequent than every 24 days, that's too frequent. And and heavy bleeding, that is always so hard to quantify. But one of the things that I came across that really describes it well is if you're having to go through sanitary products more than every two hours. So it's every two hours, you got to change out whatever you're using and the heavy, the supers, then that's too, that's way too much. So I like to always just kind of quantify what that means because, you know, everybody's own definition can be different. Right. And FEM, that's like literally what we teach women how to do. That's one of the biomarkers and like, like everything you said, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because that's like it, like a regular cycle is 24 to 36 days. And there can be variation in that. And, you know, we're looking for a three to seven day period with at least one day of moderate or heavy flow. So all of those are like markers of a healthy period, which gives us information and data about your cycle before. And yeah, so. And, uh, and I'll add just a little bit on the metabolic things that are associated with PCOS. So not every patient's going to have this, but, you know, we've already ta- touched on the weight loss, like that central, that, that uh, spare tire around your abdomen that just will not go away, that kind of um, weight, the... Um, the fatty liver, you might be told on, based on your blood work or an ultrasound that you have a, a fat accumulating around your liver. You can have increased cholesterol, might be dealing with some high blood pressure issues. And even there is an association with um, up, up to 50% of women with PCOS having depression as well. So I just want to kind of tie in this. It's not just 
periods and beards. It's a lot of things that can, it can present in a lot of different ways. And you kind of think of the depression because like, if they're not ovulating, they're not getting progesterone. And so that can be such a common thing with low progesterone is having that low mood or depression as well. Exactly. So I think like the main thing I want to drive home is like, there's so many symptoms and, and it can be very hard to navigate this yourself. And even for some healthcare providers, it's very complex, you know, hormones are hard. That being said, like, just do not go down the self-diagnosis route. You need, you need somebody who is trained and confident in handling this to get advice from and to determine, is this in fact something that I'm dealing with or not? Because these symptoms can also be created by other medical conditions, thyroid disorders, pituitary tumors, adrenal hormone tumors, even exposure to synthetic steroids that maybe you don't realize you're being exposed to. So like there's even, there's certain drugs too that can, that can cause this. So and then up to 8%, we still don't know why, you know, it seems to be idiopathic. There's no known reason. So just, I highly encourage you to reach out and, and don't go down the self-diagnosis hole. <laughs> Find somebody yeah. to hold your hand through this as you figure it out. Yeah, definitely reach out, reach out to us, uh, reach out to me and we'll get you with the right providers. And if you're looking for the natural lifestyle side of things, that's what I help with. So, so let's kind of move into the spiritual side of this, man, this is, it's really fascinating thinking through like, okay, did women in the Bible have PCOS? Unfortunately, other than the woman who had bleeding for like 12 years, we don't really know about anyone's periods. So, um, it's mostly speculation. So what the Lord led me to on this one is in first Kings chapter eight, the second part of the verse, first Kings chapter eight, 37 B, whatever disaster or disease may come. And I highlight disease means illness. So that's what we're thinking of with PCOS, any type of infertility or struggle that we're having hormone imbalance, whatever disease may come. And when a prayer or plea is made by anyone among your, your people, Israel, being aware of the afflictions of their own hearts and spreading out their hands toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Forgive and act. Deal with everyone according to all they do, since you know their hearts, for you alone know every human heart, so that they will, they will fear you all the time they live in the land you gave our ancestors. So kind of the context of this passage is Solomon. So Solomon was definitely the most wise and the richest king that ever lived. He was the son of David and he had built the Lord's temple, um, this incredible, immaculate, amazing, I don't even know, I didn't do a ton of research on like how much it costs or anything like that, but this crazy, amazing temple. And he's giving this prayer of dedication to the temple. And so there's lots of lots of amazing things in here. And I thought this was really cool and thinking of like connecting Old Testament to New Testament and how Solomon is imploring the people of Israel. He's like, guys, whatever disease you have, bring your prayer, bring your plea, being aware of the affliction in your heart 
and spreading out your hands toward this temple and asking God to hear from heaven and to forgive and act and asking him to deal with everyone according to all they do since God knows their hearts. And I just think that's really cool. And it's certainly in like we're thinking before Christ because Christ redeemed He redeemed this thing of um, the Israelites had to seek forgiveness uh, for the, for why they had this disease and for why they were burying it. But Christ redeemed and he bore our sins on the cross and he bore our disease on the cross and he carried all of that to the tomb and defeated it with the grave. And he was raised to life again. And in him, when we believe in him, We are free and we have true freedom in Christ. And so I think kind of looking back at how the people would go to the temple and ask for healing of their disease. And now we get to go to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us in which we are a temple and ask for healing of our disease in Christ. He bore our sins. He paid for them. And we must just purely believe in him. So uh, I don't know if any of you can connect with that, but Dr. Jamie, I just kind of love to hear your thoughts. Like what's going through your mind hearing of this like Old Testament prayer and plead to, you know, at the temple for healing of the disease and now uh, who we are in Christ and the freedom that we have to go to the Lord to ask for healing. God is so good. <laughs> For just so y'all know, Becca and I, we always pick a topic, but we do our own prep. And honestly, I don't do a whole lot of prep. <laughs> uh, Becca does a ton, I think, but <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of time. But I, you know, so I told Becca, I was like, look, like I got all this sciencey stuff, but I didn't get a whole lot for the spiritual stuff on this on this one. And I said, I only got one thing. And then God told me that Becca's got the rest. <laughs> so do you want to know what that one thing was? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so the passage James 1.5 came to me and it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. What? And- <laughs> And You're kidding I, me. I'm not kidding you. And when I read that, I thought of, we need to ask, just like King Solomon, for the gift of wisdom. We need to pray for the gift of wisdom for ourselves and for our doctors. That's all I have, Becca. But wow. I, was like, I was like, that's just crazy. <laughs> that is so cool. And it's so true. So I mean, that, as we're talking about like God PCOS and we need to we need to ask. Ask for wisdom. Yeah, this is something he totally understands. And honestly, like our understanding of this is probably so laughable to him. You know? Um, like we definitely have, I feel like maybe we have a really bare bones skeleton outline of what we understand of PCOS compared to what God knows about it. And then there's the whole other thing too about in the in the Old Testament, particularly for Israel, God gave a specific endowment of when you obey me, when you walk in my ways, you will be blessed. When you disobey me, not good things will happen. 
So God made that very clear to the Israelites that he expected for them to walk in his ways. And when they didn't, there's so many examples of not cool things that happened. Just go read the Old Testament. It is, it's, it's wild. And then we come through into John chapter nine, when Jesus comes and Jesus is here to restore and redeem the things of old. So there was a man who was blind from birth. This is in John chapter nine. And Jesus's disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so I think Jesus is kind of highlighting here of, hey, sometimes, you know, I think there's two different things. Okay, there's really three things, (laughs) sorry. One thing could be off in our mind, body, and spirit, or spirit, and this is why we're having this physical ailment. Another thing could be spiritual warfare. And then yet another thing on the other side of spiritual warfare could be God is having us go through this trial so that his works would be displayed through the trial. Yeah, for the testimony. Yeah. So I um, love that. Yeah, I think the Lord just kind of kind of spewed that out there. <laughs> um he, but, he, Absolutely did. And I love it. Yeah. So I think number one, what we can encourage everyone, like what is your struggle that you're going through? What is the hard thing that you're going through? And you can seek and ask the Lord, Lord, is this struggle from you so that you could be glorified through me? Lord, is this struggle a spiritual attack? And are you asking me, and I say, step down onto my knees and fight on my knees in prayer against this with you. Or let's go over to James 5.16. Is this an issue of something that I am not obeying you that you have asked me to do in my mind, body, or spirit? I'm sorry, I said the wrong reference. It's not James 5.16. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's actually a lot of data from the Bible that separates these three different, I don't know what you call them, pieces of who we are. We have a body, we have a soul or a mind and a spirit. And all of those are to be in alignment with the Lord. So there are times when our spirit or our soul may be misaligned with the Lord. And so then we see this in this physical ailment presenting. I'm going to pause there because Dr. Jamie, I know you have personal testimonies of this. So I'm going to let you dive in with that. Personal testimonies of of mind, body, spirit. Yeah. So I think we've talked about Oh my gosh, it's, it was a long time ago. But I remember we talked about how when someone just had this stronghold in their life or this thing that they weren't obeying God in, and like maybe they weren't going to church or maybe they didn't forgive someone or maybe, I don't know, it was something that God was telling them to do oh, and they yes. like, no. 
And then they were having all these health issues. Yeah. Okay. I want to hear it. Cause like you just, uh, yeah, go ahead. I had to remember there's so many people. <laughs> so I, I had this patient that dealing with crazy fatigue, just all, all sorts of hormone imbalances, just all over the place, just at her wits end, depressed, overwhelmed. And like, she's at a point where she's here with her doctor, just spilling it all out. I'm not, I'm not a counselor. I'm a family medicine physician, but it, there I was uh, listening to her whole story. And, and, um, you know, I asked her about, you know, I I just brought up Jesus and, and church and different things, you know, giving her spiritual homework and stuff. And she's one of my patients that has, you know, church hurt or whatever, but it, through our conversation, it was revealed that God had been telling her to forgive somebody in her life and she couldn't bring herself to do it. And to the point where God had told her that, I think it was through a dream, that she wasn't going to heaven. And she wanted to know my thoughts on that, if I thought that was a real message from God or not. And I just sent it back to scripture and I had to look it up, but I sent it to her later of, you know, this is the scripture that I was referring to, but it does, you know, it does say you have to forgive if, you know, you know, our sins are forgiven. And if we can't forgive others, then we're not going to heaven. (laughs) Like that's just, it's there. And so she had a calling on her heart. She was getting direct communication of what she needed to do and the consequences of not doing it. And she was still not going through with it and struggling in almost every way, physically, emotionally, mentally, like mind, body, spirit, all of it. And so, yeah, so I got to obey. That's a big one. (laughs) So did she end up like forgiving that person? Like what happened after? Do you know? We're still working on it. Oh, you will totally have to tell us how that goes. But it's so true. I mean, just in my own experience, it's just so crazy how Holy Spirit works. I love it. I love being surprised all the time. And just out of nowhere, you least expect it. And it's like, hey, you've never forgiven that person. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't like, I can't believe I haven't yet. Like, why is this just now coming to consciousness and, and, um, you know, working through that, through that season of forgiveness for those things done against you. And it really does it. it, There is a physical transformation that happens when you are addressing those spiritual burdens. Yeah. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Like how often do we sit down and pray? See if there's any offensive way in me. And honestly, like if we're having some type of big health issue that keeps presenting itself and presenting itself and it's so hard, have we sat down and said, Lord, is there any offensive way in me? Is it possible that like you're asking me to do something and I'm ignoring you on it or I'm not listening to you or I'm not obeying you? And I'm absolutely not saying that that's like the thing for everyone who has PCOS or whatever. (laughs) Uh, But like, this is just one thing that I think a lot of us don't think about that we wanted to highlight. 
Yeah, that's the whole so, point of this podcast. Yeah. We're we're addressing things that you don't get in the doctor's visit. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we'll wrap up here today. Dr. Jamie, thank you so much for summarizing. Like, I feel like our listeners got a really good mini education session on the four different types of PCOS and how it presents itself and, you know, different ways that they can work on it or observe it through their health and lifestyle. Um, And then kind of addressing the underlying spiritual side of things. Is it an issue of mind, body, spirit of something that the Lord is asking you to obey in that you're not? Could this be a spiritual attack? Or are you going through this so that God's glory could be displayed through you? Like God gave you this illness and maybe you need to be thankful for it. And I know that sounds super insensitive, but I mean, I have personally, and Dr. Jamie, like she is walking through it right now. I personally lost three babies and I would never wish it on anyone. And it was the most, it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But I strongly believe that it happened so that God could use me to serve the masses in this way for his kingdom. So anyways, you know, it could be that for you. So we just encourage you guys to go back and reflect and pray um, and seek the Lord on what he's asking you to do. Please don't just passively listen to this and go about your day. Like, please sit down and get with the Lord and seek him on this. Um, And if you're wanting someone to help guide you through like a natural, healthy lifestyle with this type of condition, especially if you're wanting to get pregnant, definitely reach out to me. Dr. Jamie, would you like to close us in prayer? Father God, thank you for this wonderful time to be together to discuss the topic of uh, PCOS. And Father, I just thank you for coming through on this spiritual message and bringing us together and revealing to us that you want us to come to you. You want us to ask for wisdom from you. And Father, that you want to give generously and without reproach. And Father God, I just ask for all these women who are listening to just open their hearts and minds and just to fill them with a boldness to come to your throne, to ask for the things that they need, to ask for the gifts of wisdom, to decipher their own situations that they're going through, Lord, to ask um, for their doctors to have the gift of wisdom to help them get through this journey. Father, I ask that You just bless our listeners with discernment as they learn more about their health and how to make good, healthy choices and to bless them with people in their lives that will support them in their journey. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. If you didn't hit pause yet and leave us a review, please go do that right quick. We super appreciate y'all listening and we hope that it blessed you. And... I always say we'll see you guys next time, but I'm actually not going to see you. So you'll hear my voice in your ears next time. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, girl, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts? Literally just pause this, scroll on down, click write a review, and I promise it'll take two seconds. Well, maybe like... 25 seconds and it would bless me so much to see what you thought about this episode and to hear your feedback and also if you could share this in a quick text message to the friend or family member that you were thinking of while listening to this episode that would be awesome 
It just lights me up to know that this podcast is helping you and other people. And girl, I pray that your progesterone is awesome. I'll meet you back next Thursday for another episode. Have a blessed day.